morning, New Hampshire. And surrounding states, New England. Good morning to the rest of the United States. I know we got listeners throughout the U.S. on the Listen Live feature. NHTalkRadio.com. That's the website to go to, New Hampshire Talk Radio, nhtalkradio.com. You'll see a drop-down menu. Click on that. Boom. Listen Live is like the first thing that pops up at the top of that menu. Click Listen Live. Loads up a page. You'll see the uh, little box there. I think there's a SoundCloud piece or something like that. And then you just hit play. And then you'll get my voice every day. Starts up right around 10.08. 10 to 11 is how we classify a one-hour day. WKXL Radio, this is the Sports Machine with Slim. How should I start the day out today? How should I start the show? Because you had the news yesterday, obviously, out of Kansas City, which is um, just a horrible thing to have happen. It's in the sports world. You're going to a parade, and you're thinking about celebrating. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's cool to be part of a winning franchise. A dominant franchise. I mean, you start talking about what Kansas City's done over the last five years here. It's as close as we've seen to to what we had with the Patriots. This run by Kansas City. Now two-time defending champs and everybody out there is feeling like a million bucks. You're going to a parade to, I mean, celebrate, feel the dominance. Feel like you're part of the team because you are as a fan. You are part of the team, especially if you're going to the stadium and you're cheering. But, I mean, people don't realize that. When you're in those stadiums and you're cheering, those players feel your energy. And when you win a championship, man, you go into the parade. Everybody talks about the parade. After you win, all right, see you at the parade. Okay, Kansas City, we're going to see you in the parade. When the when Boston teams used to win, yeah, looking forward to the parade. And then you go and something like this happens where there's you know, gunshots all over the place, 20-plus people shot. And uh, when you run... A, or you host a sports talk radio show, I guess you got to bring that up, don't you? Or you could just pretend it's not happening, which would kind of be better because I like to stay more uplifting um, during my shows, even if I am coming down on Jason Tatum and the Celtics, who played great last night. But just to kind of touch on the piece from, from Kansas City, I went on ESPN, as I'm always doing, looking for articles, looking for content. What are we going to talk about today on the show? And I see... Just some of the quotes from the players. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes posted on X, praying for Kansas City. Also including three emojis of hands in prayer. Chiefs linebacker Drew Tranquil posted on X, please join me in prayer for all the victims in this heinous act. Um, Pray that doctors and first responders would have steady hands and that all would experience full healing. Offensive lineman Trey Smith from Kansas City. My thoughts and prayers are with everyone affected by today's incidents. A huge thank you to the first responders who ran towards the sound of danger. You're the ones who should be celebrated today. And yes, I agree. Those three players all mentioned prayers in their words. And those were combined. Each of them were put into their own separate paragraphs within three or four paragraphs in the article of one another right next to each other. ESPN's talking about how each of these players is, you know, pray for the victims and so I just wanted to start the show out by saying, like, you know, do people out there think that prayer works? Because if not, then those words are just like a total waste of time by Patrick Mahomes and the other guys. Like, if prayer has no value in today's society, has no meaning, I mean, no belief that it actually could help, then 
what what do we even say in those words for on one side well the total other side is that we believe you know prayer works and it's interesting that yesterday for people that don't know it was the first day of lent in the catholic uh, religion and i didn't even know that i was born and raised a catholic if my mother's listening she's going to be disappointed i didn't even know yesterday was the first day of lent until i picked my son up who goes to a private school and he had the ashes on his forehead. My five-year-old had the ashes on his forehead. And when I saw that, well, oh, okay, today's got to be the first day of Lent. And for people that don't know, in the Catholic religion, Lent symbolizes the start of the period before Easter. So it's 40 days before Easter Sunday. Um, you know, Good Friday is the Friday before Easter Sunday, and that's historically, that's the day when, when Jesus was killed, and then he raises up from the dead. Three days later, even though it's only two days, I never really quite understood that, but that's what Easter is. The celebration of uh, whoever the creator is, being able to die in human form and then come back to life afterwards. And people hear those words and go, you know, that, that's, that's crazy to, to believe that stuff. Well, uh, I'm just telling you, it's either one or the other, and you got the players for Kansas City in times of trouble saying, pray for people, pray for people, pray for people. And I'm just here to throw out the potential thought that maybe prayer like isn't such a bad thing. I know there's a separation of church and state, but I just feel like maybe more prayer in society can help give people hope so that events like what went on yesterday maybe are happening less often. And that's all we can look forward to as far as where the direction of the world is going. People are going to be fighting. People are going to be arguing. We know this, 2024. We know what's happening in November of this year. So just get ready. Buckle in for a lot of negativity. Maybe prayer can help some people out there. Just a thought. The Boston Celtics. Let's transition right into them because I am feeling more upbeat and confident about my Boston Celtics today than I have been at any other point during the season. And that includes the days... When we just got on the air, maybe nine weeks ago, whenever it was, when I was saying every day, the Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA title this year. Unfortunately, I also said San Francisco was going to win the NFL title, and I was wrong on that. But let's hope we can pull it together for the Celtics. Let's get me uh, one for two was pretty good in prediction side of things, right? We take, we take one out of every two. <laughs> I, I certainly would. I wish I was batting one out of every two for life in my predictions. Last night, Celtics win 136 to 86. Down in my notebook, I wrote, yikes, exclamation point. Yeah, that's a beatdown, especially when you consider Jalen Brown didn't play, Al Horford didn't play, and Kristaps Porzingis only played like in the first quarter or so, and then he got hurt, which the fourth time I think this is in the last three weeks where the big man has come down on somebody's ankle or done something and then gone out of the game injured. Not good, Kristaps, dude. Like, like uh, you're playing great. We're actually kind of building our offense around you. Not for nothing. I can get into that a little bit more here as the show goes on. But we need Kristaps Porzingis to stay healthy. If we're going to win it all, he's going to be a major reason why. I mean, Tatum will have to be the number one reason why, I think. Maybe Kristaps can elevate his game next level. That is possible. But uh, we're going to need him one way or another. Definitely just for this, the half-court set of the offense. So last night, the reason for my complete optimism on the Celtics is this, with Jason Tatum. 
Did we watch this? If you're listening to the show on a regular basis and you're watching the Celtics, you better be thinking of what I've been saying at the end of quarters. Where historically, and this is going back even with Paul Pierce, Doc Rivers time, like in Boston, for the most part, the end of a quarter, end of a half, if we have the ball and the shot clock's winding down, we try to drain it till the last second or so, do a three. Step back three. Paul Pierce used to do it all the time. He used to drive me crazy because when he made one, it looked awesome, but he would miss five, six, seven others. And I'd be like, dude, go to the hoop. Well, I've been saying the same thing about Jason Tatum and really saying that his growth to the next level is like literally the best player in basketball, at least top three. Like Jason Tatum has that ability, and I think it's almost a given that he's going to get there. Like, even if he doesn't develop the mental prowess that I'm trying to impress upon him every day when I talk to on the show, Jason Tatum, you are an absolute beast. Go to the basket. People cannot stop you. Get that in your head. Do it enough times. Recognize it's true. And they'll never be able to take that away from you. That's LeBron. LeBron knows when it's time to go, baby, he's going. Nobody can stop him. Well, it's, it's very similar with Tatum. Like, he has that ability. He just needs to do it. Well, last night, I saw it and I wrote this down. Again, my notebook is so helpful to me. End of first quarter. Finally, all in capital letters, three exclamation points. Tatum goes to the hoop and gets fouled. He makes one out of two. I think it was with like five seconds. I think technically there were going to be three or four seconds left on the shot clock if we uh, you know, gave the ball back to Brooklyn. But it's still a situation where typically we're doing step-back threes. It wouldn't have been to the very end of the quarter, but it was it was darn close to it. And Tatum was like, no, he could have shot the three. He could have shot from further away. No, he didn't. He goes to the hoop. He did it again at the end of the first half, too. So we did it at the end of the first quarter, and then at the end of the second quarter, he drives to the hoop, and he scores. The first time he drove, he got fouled. He won out two from the line. I said, my wife goes, well, it'd be better if he made the, <laughs> the free throw. It doesn't matter. He's going to the basket. That's all I care about. Second quarter, drives to the hoop, finishes. That's what happens in basketball. The more you do it, the more confident you get, then they start to go in. You have to do it over and over to become great at it. Kind of like me on the radio here, the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back here on nhtalkradio.com. Bitcoin, $52,300. Yesterday, I think $51,000. Reminds me back to November when I first came on WKXL. Talking about crypto with Jane Cormier on Artful Living. Said the price of Bitcoin's $24,000. It's going to be a lot higher than that next year. Well, $52,000. It's kind of not even really getting started. I would expect anybody... Um, paying attention here, the uh, overall market cap just short of $2 trillion for all of crypto. What I can tell you over my seven years in the space is when it hits the big round numbers, uh, it has a tendency to have a big drawback. So I think we could easily see that heading into this weekend. The ETFs 
are all buying up all the Bitcoin, and that spurs all the movement in the other coins. And uh, especially they're buying it up as the trading is going on during the trading week. But for the weekends, a lot of times that stuff shuts down. So not as much action on the other side. So that's why it's a lot easier for them to take the prices backwards. My assumption is that will begin tomorrow. I don't know how extensive it will be. But just throwing that out there for those of you that follow along. Boston Bruins play tonight. Guess what? We kind of need this to be a get-right game, people. I, I, I'm, I'm in on the Bruins. You know this. I, I think we're going to pull it together. I think we're going to find out what this team is really all about on the road trip that's coming up here. Starts up, I think, next week. Six out of seven games will be on the road. But we're still in the middle of a seven-game homestand right now. Tonight we play game five. We are so far um, one win, two losses. In one tie with a loss. So it's really one win and three losses. Four games at home. And the crazy thing is we beat Vancouver up. I think it was 4 nothing, And they were the toughest game we played. So I like that. You know, from, from a team perspective. You know, you don't like going one and three, obviously. But you knew when the biggest challenge was in front of you, you came out with your best effort. But now, hey, you know, we've had a few games at home. It's one and three. We're back from the All-Star break and all that stuff. Like tonight's the type of game where you you need to start to say, okay, let's find our footing again. Let's get after it. Hopefully Jeremy Swayman will be in net. I assume that will be the case. He's 0-2 so far out of the the All-Star break. So I'm sure he wants to get a W on the board. We lose tonight and you start to have a little concern about Jeremy Swayman. We might need him to get uh, interviewed by me on the air (laughs) at some point to, to prod him along or get him to understand how much not only his team needs him, but the fans need him. And I need him here on the Sports Machine with Slim. Jeremy Swayman, we need you to be taking this Bruins team on a lengthy run in the playoffs. You and Lena Selmark. I want you guys in goal every other day during the playoffs. I want the whole league talking about it. And people saying how oh, this is never usually the case. You usually stick with one goalie and they get hot and they ride you through. But the Bruins are doing something totally different, and it's working for team chemistry and the players, and we're going to be asking them about it. It's going to become a story in and of itself in the Hockey League, National Hockey League. That's what, that's what I envision happening. This is going to be part of it. And then one guy has a great night, and the next night, it's the other dude's turn. And what a nice story that we'll be talking about, like shared success and both being responsible for it. And what happens when you get to your game seven? Who's going in the net? Is one guy literally like mad because he's not getting the start, or is he glad and hopeful for the other dude? You know, happy for the other dude. So put yourself sacrifice a little bit for the good of the team. Say, hey, there's only so much I can do. Uh, I'm going to cheer him on. I want to win. Go get him, dude. The call was made. You're the best guy for the team tonight. Go do it. Tough to have that mentality in life, isn't it? Can that possibly be how the the Bruins goaltenders um, think about one another and think about the situation? Everything I'm seeing says yes. And I think that can be at the, the, the core for a team that can do something special. We probably still need to make some trades, though. I'll just leave that out there. I mentioned Bitcoin price, 52,200 and change. Once again, uh, I'll mention, as I did yesterday, Charles Hoskins in the big interview today. I interview him on WKXL Spotlight this afternoon from 4 to 5. A great discussion with one of the smartest human beings in the world. We do some back and forth. 
he definitely takes over control of the mic. He said he's always wanted to be a radio person. I said, hey, man, this is your chance, dude. Do it up. Plus, I got a lot to learn. I had my listening helmet on to take everything in. I got to ask him some tough questions, and it's it's great back and forth. If you got questions about the crypto industry and kind of why people think that this can go mainstream and kind of take over other vertical markets and other areas of our life, Charles talks about that. The decentralization piece is key. Decentralization, for me, means nobody's singularly in charge. It's more of a vote by consensus. Everybody has an equally weighted vote. And whatever the will of the people is, that's what's going to take over. Was that the case in San Francisco with the 49ers? As I just go from one random topic to another. Steve Wilkes was fired. Officially yesterday, right? Or was it the day before? And I didn't talk a ton about it on the air yesterday. Maybe that's because it hadn't happened yet. I don't even remember. But I do know I was calling for his firing on Monday. And I, I, I mean, I'm not happy to see a guy lose his job at all. I'm sure he's a great guy. But you know, I read the article again on ESPN talking about how it was his first year as a defensive coordinator. And I know I guess this is the third year in a row where they've had a one-year run. With, with defensive coordinators, is that right? I think Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, used to be the defensive coordinator for San Fran. That's what the article said. And then D'Amico Ryans, well, D'Amico Ryan was the uh, defensive coordinator for San Fran too. And obviously that dude was good because he went to Houston this year as their head coach, and look what they did. I mean, he's a defensive guy. C.J. Stroud came in on the offensive side of things and just lit up the whole league. Which tells you, this coach, he's good. D'Amico Ryan's a good, good coach. I mean, I would take him over here on the Patriots in a heartbeat. Even though, hey, Gerard Mayo, I'm, I'm happy you're here too. Go get him. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I'm just saying you haven't done anything yet. D'Amico Ryan has turned a team around, a city around, with the help of C.J. Stroud. But this guy, Steve Wilkes, he has the most incredible talent on the defensive side of the ball in the, in the league. I, for my money, by a mile. It's really not even close. And the scheme that they ran this year, this is what the article said, is the same one that they've been running over the last couple of years with the other coaches, Salah and D'Amico Ryans. And, and I guess Shanahan wanted to keep that defensive system in place, do the same thing, even though that's not typically, historically, the type of defense that Steve Wilkes has run with other teams which one of those teams, I think he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals for one year where he was 3-13 and 13 and got fired. So I don't know what defensive scheme he was running over there, but you might want to switch that one up anyway, dude. Just a suggestion. But the article goes on to say, and like Shanahan kind of said, hey, he was put in a little bit of a tough situation because the scheme I had him run and I wanted to continue from last year with D'Amico Ryans is not what he's typically run. And, and when I read that, I was just like, isn't that just such, like, it's so ridiculous. These coaches get paid, literally, millions of dollars, and they only can teach their own schemes? Like, they're unable to look at a player and look at 11 players at a time on the field and say, I'm going to devise a system that is unique to fit all of your skill sets because every player is different, and every 
like the combination of players is going to be different. But yet, this is the excuse for why Steve Wilkes like failed this year and ultimately paid with his job. Because he did a horrible job. If you watch in the, the Super Bowl, like, the, like his coaching was the reason they lost. It just flat out was. I know there were other breaks, but if you just watch the game, dude, it's the same reason why they almost lost to Detroit and easily could have lost to Green Bay. Their defense was not aggressive enough. And when it was aggressive, it was exposed for being overly aggressive because they were doing it with four guys. What I'm talking about is like when Bosa would try to slam inside and go real quick because he thought he had a read on the play, but it was a fake handoff, and then Mahomes runs outside, and there's nobody there waiting for him. Literally nobody there, so they just run through open field. Like you can't build a defense like that. Bill Belichick over 20-some-odd years has shown us you need to contain the edge. And if you want to bring pressure, bring pressure up the middle. That's how you do it against Mahomes. Steve Wilkes looked totally clueless with that. Just kept rushing the four same guys every time. Not getting enough pressure. They let Mahomes just settle into a groove and then just, yeah, I mean, pick him apart on that last drive. And it was embarrassing to watch. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, he, he, he needed to be removed. And uh, I, if I'm another team, I ain't hiring him. I don't care what. what I wouldn't hire him to coach my, my kids' peewee soccer league team if I had a kid playing peewee soccer league football. This is the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Yes, tomorrow night. That's what this uh, Rod Tanner fellow just said. Well, he probably said it earlier when it was taped this morning, I suppose. <clears throat> yep, we're due for some snow. We've had very little of it. I haven't had to use the snowblower this year even once. We had one snowstorm on Brentwood, like maybe six to seven inches, but it wasn't the heavy, heavy snow. So, shoveled it. No big deal. Are we going to go through the winter with that being the biggest like snowstorm of the season? No, no chance. Can it be? I mean, it's February 15th today, people. The year's moving right along. We're already a year and a, a month and a half into the year. Time moving by fast. But, I mean, we have to get more snow than what we had. And even the cold side of things. Like this morning, yesterday morning was pretty freezing. But it seems like it's going to start getting warmer soon, no? Like, let's do it. I'm ready for spring. Get through a little stretch of snow here, maybe tomorrow. And maybe another one or two. And then, bam, warmer weather. March Madness. College basketball. Leads us right into the Bruins and the Celtics playoff time of year. Can't wait. The NBA All-Star break, we're there. Last night, Celtics, huge win, points-wise anyway, 136-86. to And they finish up this part, first half or whatever, the regular season, 43-12. and Next closest in the East, Cleveland, 36-17. and Six games behind. The Celtics have a six-game lead in the East. And the crazy thing is, like, I don't even think we're playing that hard. 
Last night, I saw in the first quarter Jason Tatum getting down in defensive position, just like I would teach my kids at, ba- at basketball practice and blow my whistle, hit the floor, yell, defense, and come up with your knees bent, palms up to the sky, ready to move your feet laterally, side to side. Jason Tatum, he didn't do slapping the floor and yelling defense, but man, I saw his body language. I was like, dude, this guy came to play tonight. Even though they had played the night before against the team that they beat somewhat handily at Brooklyn. No, you know, I mean, it was in the mindset of the team. Finished the first half like winners. 43-12. and 12, Best record in the league. The next closest team is Minnesota in the West. 38-16. and 16. So that's like four and a half game lead we got on them. Celts are just the best team. Let's relax for a week. Got the All-Star Game festivities this weekend. Do you people know about this? I know McBFQ, my cousin who I, um, my cousin Bob from Quincy, who hasn't called into the show in a while. He must be busy on work. Maybe he went to a, an adventure or travel overseas, something really cool, come back and say, hey, I was, I was, <laughs> I spent the last few weeks in such and such country doing such and such work. Can't reveal it all to you, but maybe it'll reveal a little taste. Well, he had called up months ago now and said, hey, Slim, I'd like to see Caitlin Clark take part in the NBA three-point shooting contest during the All-Star Weekend. We should start, like, calling for that. And when he said it, I was like, yeah, absolutely, Bob. That's, that would be awesome. I know I would watch that. In fact, like, I, would, I would pay pay-per-view. I would to see Caitlin Clark in that event. I, I don't know how much. I mean, 40 50 bucks. Yeah, I would because I just would want to see her, like, kind of trash-talking and trying to win. In fact... Like, I would be telling her to make commercials beforehand leading up to it. Now, I haven't seen any commercials, but I will tell everybody. Do you know that Sabrina Ionescu, who I don't know a lot about, a WNBA player, though, she and she won the uh, WNBA three-point shooting contest last year, apparently. Well, she's going to um, have a shoot-off against Steph Curry. And it's happening this weekend at the All-Star Game festivities, I guess. Pretty cool. I'll read some of the... Uh, the article here on Saturday in Indianapolis, Ionescu, the New York Liberty star guard, gets to do something she never imagined, compete against Steph Curry in a three-point shooting contest at NBA All-Star Weekend. The competition was announced last month, and Ionescu and Curry appeared on a video call with media on Tuesday to discuss it. So that was a couple, couple days ago. Ionescu uh, had sent out a challenge to Curry on social media. The two spoke to each other, and through those conversations... This came about, and uh, Ionescu said there might still be basketball fans who are dismissive of the WNBA. Events like this represent the mutual respect between the two leagues' players. Uh, There's going to be a young kid who maybe hasn't watched many WNBA games, but is going to watch this, and they're going to have that dream of one day maybe shooting against against their idol. And and, uh, not for nothing... They're right. I'll tape this and I'll watch it with my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter. And, and the reason why I'll say is, look, hey, you know, the, the boys can play against the girls. On my first and second grade team, it's mixed co-ed league. Now, I will say to everybody, and I know this is a discussion on some levels of social media, definitely on Twitter, You know, when the boys and girls play against each other. I, I have many, many, many years of coaching. I will just tell you, naturally, the boys are more aggressive than the girls. Like when there's rebounds available, the boys are the ones jumping in and grabbing the ball over my daughter. I say, hey, you got you to be more aggressive. You got to try and get this ball. You got to go and rebound. 
and it's just not a natural thing for her where you can see for the boys, it is. But guess what? Girls can play basketball, and they can play very well, and maybe on Saturday night they can even shoot better than the best shooting male of all time. So I'm rooting for Sabrina. I'm also rooting for a caller on the radio here, and uh, rumor has it there is somebody on the line, I will say. I do not know who it is, and I'm okay with that. Yo, Slim. Yo, what's happening out there? <laughs> Not much. I hear you talking about coaching. I coached my daughter in basketball. She was the most aggressive defender out there. She would basically go use up her fouls in the first half. <laughs> but I could put her on anybody, and they wouldn't score. <laughs> <laughs> at what age group is this? Uh, at that point, she was probably 11, something like that, 12. Ozzy, that's interesting. I think I read on the other uh, on the show the other day. Actually, I got a uh, text message from the opposing coach who said the girls on your team are ferocious defenders. So yes, they're ferocious defenders. But would your your daughter when she coached her uh, when you coached her would she go after rebounds as well? She'd go through somebody to get one. <laughs> yeah, she would try. She was she was very physical. She basically <laughs> defended it with the karate chops. That was, kind of, was kind of her number one move, like, hi What did you but, do uh, for coaching to advise her against this so she wouldn't get called for so many fouls? Did you try some corrective uh, No, action? I just had to pull her when she was out of fouls. It, it would take their best score out of the game for half a game. It wasn't. It was great strategy. Why do she, you was think, my Dennis, she was my Dennis Rodman. Why, why do you think she wanted to do this? Was it to please you or because she just like wanted to be successful well, in that's basketball? That's where this conversation goes. She's a killer in business now, too, so that's just her style. She's, uh, she's aggressive, and she's tough. Well, see, that's my daughter. Do, well, do you think her playing sports at a young age helped to like propel her to this stage in life, or would she have gotten there anyway? Uh, I think it illuminated what she was going to be to a certain extent. I think it I think it shined a light on her natural state of being, which is you know, she's an alpha female, tough girl, you know, runs a hedge fund. She's she's just tough. Well, you as a coach, you just said you didn't try to like limit her. In fact, you promoted her barbaric, <laughs> violent behavior on the court. So she learned like it's all right as a female. To go in there and and play aggressive, <laughs> right, and not to have to tone it down. She didn't have her coach saying, "Hey, quit fouling everybody." In fact, you said foul people more. It sounds like. Yeah, and furthermore, she she learned that uh, she can go hard until somebody stops her, like the ref. <laughs> <laughs> right, another point to be learned. Absolutely, this is why I'm such a huge fan of like I love coaching the young kids, Ozzy. It's just I know it it can leave some lasting like personality traits into the future. I can help shape that. That's how I, I really believe that as I'm coaching. I love coaching my kids. But the, the reason I call this is to say that I'm in New York now and I've been watching a lot of Nick games, right? I'm a, I'm a Celtics fan. And I'm a Celtics believer this year like I have been for years. They look tough. When they're complete, they're going to be a tough out. So who's going to score? Who, 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 who's, well, who's going to cover Randall? Well, Jason Tatum. Well, Al Horford will do that. I want Horford, Jason Tatum Horford's to probably walk the best bet, but he'll go right through Tatum. Well, he shouldn't 
That's that's my point. Is if Jason Tatum mentally is where I want to get him to be, Randall will not be going right through Tatum. But but uh, Horford is the man for that. Hey, we have a dog that wants to take part. Uh, or is that you making sounds, Ozzy? Is that you? Are you sick? <laughs> Should I call help for someone? Hold on. Nine one one. I'm I'm actually in Riverside Park in New York right now, walking my dog. But I decided to take advantage of this time slot to give you a call. Love it. I love I love the to, Knicks to, talk. To say, I'm watching more I'm watching more and more Knicks. I love Brunson. I think he's tough. Steve Vincenzo's been playing out of his gourd. He's been out playing, let's say, ninety percent of the guards that are out there, including Drew Holiday. He's he's just been amazing. And they've got guys coming back. Uh Randall, Hartenstein, and Ananobi. Is Mitchell Robinson? Is it oh, Mitchell Robinson? I don't think he's slated. I don't think he's slated to come back. Okay. Well, so they, boy, I'd kill to get Robinson on this down the Celtics. We need a Robinson. I agree with you, Ozzy. Thank you for the call. Well done, my man. I will say, Tom Thibodeau, perfect coach for that group of players over there in the New York Knicks. NHTalkRadio.com is the place to be. Even if you're in New York, NHTalkRadio.com. You got WKXL Radio there, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM for those of you locally in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. Stay tuned, segment four coming right up. a nice call there from Ozzy. Talking a little personal story about coaching our daughters. Kids out there need coaches, people. And uh, if you happen to have a child who is not really into playing sports, I I think encouraging them to try soccer at a young age is is still a cool thing. If you get in with the right coach, it just can be a good teamwork exercise. I, I just think our kids need a little bit of the competition piece and a lot of bit of the teamwork piece. It's very good. Um, let's talk about a couple different things. One, I, I got a clip we can play about the post-reaction Super Bowl stuff for Brandon Ayuk from the San Francisco 49ers. But just before we get to that, I will say, an in, uh, just envisioning things for the sports machine with Slim down the road here as we approach the time, like I mentioned, with March Madness in the air for college basketball, there's going to be lots of opportunities to talk and give people like betting insights. If you want to be betting on those games, there's so many of them. And it is fun. I will say that. If you go to a local uh, facility like uh, like uh, the Brook, maybe out in Seabrook or the Philatimo Casino in uh, in Manchester, just to go and uh, bet on some of the college basketball games when, when the Thursday-Friday action starts with 16 games a day, that's wicked, wicked fun. I will say that because just stuff's happening all over the place. Um, but my vision... For down the road, I always refer to the sports machine with Slim as next generation sports talk radio. And I do that for a variety of reasons. One, I think the insight you're going to get into the Celtics and the Bruins, the breakdowns that we have here from a coaching standpoint, is going to be great. I'm working on getting interviews with people. And I will tell you, as playoff season comes, I'm going to be calling into the sports talk radio shows of the teams that we're playing against. Like if we're playing the Knicks, I'm calling New York Knicks fan Sports Talk Radio. What is it, Ozzy? What's the best station out there they talk Sports Talk Radio? Because I'm going to be calling them up and telling them, you got no shot to beat the Celtics. 
I love that you're playing hard. I love you scrappy and all that. You ain't beating the Celtics. So that's what I envision from the the radio airwave side of things. From the advertiser side of things, I just wanted to say real quickly yesterday, I went out and met at a pizza place locally um, in Hookset called the Pizza Man. I met with um, their owner yesterday, and it was awesome to hear her describe the business and what it's like on a Friday night in there when they got all the ovens up and running, the delivery drivers are coming in, people are coming in, picking up stuff. It's just mad chaos. And I thought to myself, like, I wouldn't react good in those situations. I just would feel too much pressure and wanted to be perfect and, like, go faster, faster. But you just, it's an unending line of work. So you just got to kind of stay calm and, and, like, power through it, I guess. That's just not my, my best temperament. But as I talked with her, I could see the excitement. She's like, oh, there's no better time. Just loved that environment. And I loved their pizza, too. The Pizza Man and Hooks, and I'm, I'm a big fan now. Um, I had it for the first time yesterday, and I just wanted to bring that story up because you know it, it's cool to find somebody that has a real passion for what they're doing, enjoys it so much, and it's really based on like trying to have make somebody else happy, right? If you're making food for other people, you got a characteristic inside of yourself. You you want to try to make other people happy, and uh, they're bringing that out at the pizza place, the pizza man, as it is called appropriately, and uh, I try to do it on the radio as well. Let's listen. Um, Andrew, if you have it teed up still back there, please. There's an interview. Brandon Ayuk, this was uh, like clearing out your locker day on Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Ups uh, and down. Not that fun. Brandon, there's been some stuff on social media. Um, is, is there a certain message that you want to get out there as you kind of enter this offseason and there might be contract talks? A certain message, no. Is your hope to remain with the 49ers moving forward? If that's the right move, yeah. What would that right move look like for you? Being a champion. Uh, all over the place, just like different emotions all day. I don't know. Brandon, what are you going to remember most about this particular roster this, this past season? Uh, just um, Just uh, guys that came in that work to be champions uh, every single day. Brandon, is this the hardest, the hardest postseason loss you guys have, or you have experienced? And that's the end of the interview. And I wanted to play it because I'm sure most people probably haven't heard that yet. Thank you, Andrew, for teeing that up. Nice work. 
Um, Andrew's the guy in the back studio here who really sets everything up so I can just come in and talk. Makes it a lot easier on me because I have no idea how to do this other stuff. So thank you for all you're doing back there, Andrew. But I just thought that would be two minutes of listening time because you can hear him progress into like where he was almost crying. And I wonder because he, I guess that was his fourth year with the Niners. And I think his like initial contract has an option fifth year or something the team can pick up, but it's where things start to get expensive. And so he's not sure if he's going to be staying out there. And it sounds like he's not sure if he wants to stay out there. But as you listen to him, it's like, man, this guy cares about winning, huh? Like, it, 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 does he care too much from the voice? Like, is he, uh, uh, you know, like unstable? I don't know what the right word is. As I hear him, like, the dude's going to cry. It's two days after the Super Bowl. But I look at it the other viewpoint. I want a guy who's that invested in winning, and two days later, he's still crushed. And on the border, he was borderline tears. Like, he was getting ready to cry when he says, that's all I got. Like, you know, he wanted to finish because you could see the visual of the interview he had on glasses, but you could see, like, it went along with him starting to choke up on the voice. And it just tells you, people, how much work and effort from a physical standpoint and mental these players that play sports put in every single day to build up and ultimately believe that they're going to win. That, that's what I'm hearing from that interview right there with Brandon Ayuk from San Francisco 49ers. He believed he was going to win. Like, you know, he wanted to be a champion. He said it. He, he wants to be a champion. What's the best move to be a champion? He wants to win. And, I mean, I don't know about his work ethic. I don't know if all season long he's not practicing, you know, as hard as he can be and stuff like that. But not for nothing, I don't know if I'm the Patriots, that's the type of guy I probably would want to try and grab. I think he played with a quarterback who's very subpar this year and last year. And I, I saw the betting odds already, the MVP odds for B- Brock Purdy next year or something like 6-1 to one or some, something like this. I'm just like, what? Like, a, people just not watching at all? Who's setting those lines? Like this? Did you not learn anything <laughs> from watching this season and then this playoff run? Brock Purdy is not even a top 15 NFL caliber quarterback. And, uh, I mean, not for nothing, 2 through 15 ain't that good. Patrick Mahomes is great. Joe Burrow might be great if he could stay healthy. The best ability is availability. And Joe Burrow ain't been available for way too much. So, I mean, if I'm building an organization, I ain't starting my my organization with him. C.J. Stroud, I would definitely take C.J. Stroud over over him in a heartbeat. C.J. Stroud, I mean, right behind Patrick Mahomes and not for nothing next year, he might be the number one pick. For me, C.J. Stroud, let's see how he, uh, if he if he comes out and improves off of what he did this year. Jared Goff, how good was he this season? My gosh. I mean, m- not Patrick Mahomes, but Jared Goff looks pretty good compared to everybody else. The rest of the league, who knows? So, so now we'll have to d- debate, like, who's going to be the draft pick? And stuff like that moving forward. Is it going to be Caleb Williams with the number one pick? And then who goes second? Is it Drake May? Is it Jaden Daniels? Where are the Patriots going? They're number three. Are they just going to take a quarterback because we need it? Or do we go with the great player, Marvin Harrison, who's a guaranteed hit at the wide receiver position? And what I'm seeing now, the betting favorite for Justin Fields next year. Who does Justin Fields take this first snap for? Is the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's like two to one. And I'm like... 
Is Chicago really going to do that? Is Chicago really going to trade away Justin Fields to draft Caleb Williams? Somebody from the Chicago Bears organization, for their own good, should come into studio with me here at the Sports Machine with Slim and just listen to me tell them for a little bit about why they definitely should not do that. It'd be a horrible decision. That's how we're going to end today's show. Chicago Bears, stay with Justin Fields. Trust that. The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio every day, 10 to 11, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. That's the place to be, and we're going to be right here again tomorrow morning. Talk to you then.